There is no step that is more important than these two steps. And I'll tell you why. Because it's all about readiness. It's all about willingness. These these two steps combined is the power of a turn. Like So you, you, you stood at the turning point. You asked for care and protection with complete abandon. Here are the steps we took. And once you do inventory and you sit down with another person and you talk about it, this is the turning point. I'm either going to go this way or I'm not. And this is why it's so critical. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you're all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12 step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride, take what you want, and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Booyah! And greetings from Studio AA Deep in the heart of Texas. The thar was the voice of Mr. Marty C, a frequent guest on the program here. Uh, and this is episode 329, and you're going to hear so much more from our friend Mr. Marty C in just a moment. But first things first, this episode is made possible by David and Kate. What? May you ask, did David and Kate do to deserve such a mention? Well, they went to our humble little website, www.soberspeak.com. They clicked on the little yellow donate tab, which is now at the bottom of the page. It's a long story. We've been trying to get at the top of the page, but it's at the bottom. But hey, you know, if people find it great, if they don't, I'm going to be fine. But nonetheless, they went to our website and they clicked on that little yellow donate tab and they made a contribution. So thank you so much. David and Kate, this here episode is coming right out to you. And as I have said many times over and over, uh, make the contribution if and only if the Spirit moves you. If not, no big deal. We just love that you are listening in. So, I am going to... So, I was at a meeting earlier today, and uh, our friend Lacey, Lacey R., actually chaired the meeting, and she read from uh, There Is a Solution in the Big Book, and I thought, oh man, that's a great reading. Uh, I think if I record anytime soon, which I'm doing right now, uh, I uh, will read that on the podcast. So here it is. This is from page, what page is it? Page 25 Uh, I think I've got that right. Yeah, page 25 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It says, there is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others, and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we had been living it. When, therefore, we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us to do but pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid out at our feet. We have found much of heaven. And we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. And the the, um, 
subject that she suggested for the meeting, and it was a very good meeting, was a simple kit of spiritual tools. So I would say if you're looking for a meeting topic next time you are chairing a meeting, this was an absolutely wonderful one. Simple kit of spiritual tools. Oh gosh, the shares were fantastic. And everyone, as usual, had a different perspective on what that meant. But uh, I'm going to read that last part just so you can hear it again, uh, just in case you were dozing out on me. But it said, when therefore we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the kit, pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have been, we have found much of heaven and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. Very nice. All right, everybody. Now on to our featured guest of the week. His name is Marty C and he hails to us from Hamilton, Ontario, that is north of the border, at least north of the border where I'm from, in Canada. This is called, this is step six, uh, step six of AA, and it's called We Stood at the I think it's step six and seven. I think, oh, you know what I did? I accidentally put in the ampersand song, sign, uh, sign, which is the seven on the keyboard. But anyway, this is six, step six and seven of Alcoholics Anonymous. We stood at the turning point. Uh, this episode addresses step six and seven. Obviously, Marty talks about readiness, the bondage of self. As he calls it, he was 250 pounds of teenage angst. Oh, what a great way to phrase that. He also talks about humility and much, much more on this here episode. And we will have plenty. Oh, listener feedback at the end of this episode. Enjoy Mr. Marty C. discussing steps six and seven. And we'll see you at the end. Okay, everybody, so we are back again with the one, the only, our favorite Canuck. Well, I shouldn't say that. I probably had other Canucks on there. Oh, and I need to ask a question about that a second. Anyway, our favorite Canadian back here on the program, uh, Marty C. So, Marty, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself give you a sobriety date if you wish, and tell people where you live, even though I just gave kind of sort of that answer away. But go ahead. <laughs> uh, hi, everybody. Anybody listening, uh, welcome to this wonderful, wonderful podcast that, that services people in a wonderful way. My name is Marty Cosgrove, Marty C. I'm an alcoholic. I'm from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I uh, was separated from alcohol on July the 16th, 1987, and have enjoyed an absolutely wonderful ride in the in the world of recovery uh, in, in the 12-step program of Alcoholics Anonymous. It led me to it led me to meet John through this, uh, the terrible time of the, of the shutdown. And, uh, we've become good friends and I'm so grateful for you having me back, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, likewise for coming back. Is it, I just real quickly, you introduced yourself you said I was separated from alcohol. Uh, describe to me what you mean by that. That's a, you know, not everyone introduces themselves that way. What do you mean by that? I think, I, th I think what happened was some time ago, I started to realize that through no, um, uh, work of my own or any efforts of my own, uh, alcohol, the obsession to drink alcohol was removed from me. And, uh, I had tried many times to stop drinking. I had made many commitments to not drink and every effort that I gave and put forth had no effect on my, on my, in my, on my ability to stop or not. I surrendered on a floor of a jail cell in, in, in 87, which I think is in a previous podcast. And in that experience, it was removed from me. I was separated from it. And as God is my witness to that moment till this, I have never had a thought of drinking, not an obsession at all, but not even a thought. And I call that a separation from alcohol because it's of a power outside of myself. It doesn't, it doesn't 
I, I couldn't have been able to do that in and of myself. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and this is, we're, you know, whenever we get together, we kind of just go back and forth. <laughs> it's more organic than anything. And I just like, th- I think of things, ask you about them. And, you know, we, we have some conversations. I, one of the things I wanted to talk about is because you use the word beautiful a lot. Like we got on this, on this call today, right? And you said, oh, my beautiful friend yeah. or something like that. And whenever I text you and say, you know, this happened or that happened, you was like, oh, beautiful. And you, <laughs> I love how you use that word, beautiful. I use it more than anybody I know, and I love it. Yeah, thank you. And, and you- it's it, it, for me, it describes this, it's, it describes the lens or the perspective from which I see things. And I can, and I really can see the beauty in a lot of things, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. I can see the beauty in it. So if I do that, it's a mental framework. It's not, again, it's not an effort. It's just one of those things is you can't act your way into good thinking, but I'm sorry, you can't think your way into good acting, but you can act your way into good thinking. And that's kind of how it goes. I, I probably started saying that years ago and it's just stuck. And that's how I see things, you know, perspective wise. And, you know, this has just occurred to me. When we first started doing these recordings, I think you had to go to some office all the time. And and now, like, it seems like you do it out of your home. Is that – have I seen that wrong or, like – Probably more of a – Did you bring your headset home? No, I I have one at both. And it's it's probably more of timing than anything because I'm set up here in my home for a a lot of Zoom uh, um, calls when AA was – you know, on that platform, uh, one of those platforms. And then, uh, but for you and I, if it was on, if, if we were always trying to get together on weekends or whatever time was allotted there, uh, I would, I work every fourth weekend. And so I might've been, I might've been gabbing with you from my desk, uh, right, yep, right in my office. And, and, uh, the last couple of times I think I've been here in my home. Yep. For sure. Okay, so I uh, the the other thing I want to ask you about is like right before we started here, you said I you know I said how you doing? You said well you know I'm I'm good I'm beautiful, but I'm a little uh, uh, physically beat up. But I'm about to go play hockey. What what's going on there? How how did you get physically beat up? And why are you going to play hockey if you are physically beat up? I'll tell the whole I'll tell the whole story, but I'll make it quick. The rewards of Alcoholics Anonymous, rewards of recovery, the war of a 12-step life, uh, it, it just opens up opportunities. And some really good friends of ours, uh, um, six of us, went to um, the Dominican last Halloween. So it would have been in the, in, the, in the fall, just around the Halloween time last year. And three of us, uh, my friend, guy I sponsored, Davey, and another guy, Lenny, we all went out in a boat deep sea fishing and I caught him I hooked onto a monster and everybody was sort of clearing the way and and, and the the guides they weren't helping me with this fish at all and the equipment was sort of substandard I was struggling to get this big fish in and uh, the guy yells from the top in Spanish he just says, well move over move change seats so I got up out of the one seat I was in and went to move to the other and I slipped on the boat and I landed flat on my butt and I broke my tailbone. I cracked the Cossacks in the, oh, like in a, no. yeah. So uh, the next four or five days, it was a great fish though. And I didn't let go of the rod. <laughs> my stubbornness, my whatever it is, I didn't let go of the rod. That's why I got hurt. Cause I couldn't break my fall. And, uh, and I ended up getting muscling this fish and we got a great picture together, but I was in agony for the next probably two weeks, but the, the rest of the vacation was really compromised. It was not, I couldn't get out of bed for four days. And then even when I could, uh, I was in bad shape. So I came, it took a long time to heal and, and no big deal. So a couple of days ago, I come home from work day before yesterday, I come home from work. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see Leslie. I walk in the house. I've got my, I make a cup of coffee and I'm, while I'm talking to her, I'm moving backwards without paying attention toward my couch. And I go to sit down and bang right on the arm of the couch. Boom. I hit the same spot. And I'm, ah, <laughs> I hit the same spot and I re-injured it. And uh, uh, so I'm walking around with a bit of a limp today. And uh, the inside of my right knee is just stinging from from playing hockey a, a couple of times recently. And But w- the point I was trying to make is that this hockey that we play, which is a big part of my recovery, it's in the grapevine. The story of this hockey league is in the grapevine. If yeah, you, what's it called it's again? It's called Fellowship on Ice. Yeah, and the story about it is on is very important to me. Well, just we've having been having a hard time with attendance, and financially, I'm getting 
I'm getting it real beaten, taking it real beaten. So I put out this heartfelt plea just the other day and, uh, I can't, and I've been away a lot traveling to speak at conventions and stuff in the last few weeks. So I haven't actually been there, but I put this plea, guys, you got to show up. It's a commitment. You got to. So I'm, I'm the one that's scheduled to play in net today. I can't say no. when I just told all these guys that they, they got to live up to their AA commitments. What are you doing? You know, and, and then I'm going to should not show up tonight. I'm the goalie. So got to go. Gotta, gotta, gotta go get it done. So that, that's the story. And it's all that's in keeping with, with, uh, with our beautiful program, with our, our, our lives that we, we live. Uh, it's all connected. It's all connected. And, uh, yeah. So that's, that's, that's what's been going on with me physically anyway. Okay. So, and you mentioned conferences there. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about that because I know it, you know, pretty much all shut down during uh, COVID. And in fact, you weren't uh, coming, you couldn't get across the border, you know, from Canada to come to the U.S. and stuff like that. Has all that kind of opened back up for you or are you still mainly up there in Canada going to the conferences? Well, it's still mainly in Canada, but that's just a result of planning, right? So uh, these things are often planned a, a, a great deal. In a couple of weeks, I'm down in Atlanta. Um, and there's these, so these, it, it's starting to open back up. What I am going to do though is reel some of it back in because I'm already tired. So being away three, four, five weekends in a row and, and with family obligations and commitments on the weekend, we come into this special season. My, my birth family's trying to plan their Christmas and I can't go because I'm in the air somewhere through most of the weekends of December. It's just an, it's an unfair proposition to put that on the, on the lives of those that love me. Um, you know, my older brother and my sister and, and my wife and, and all the kids, they, they all want to get together and they want me to be a part of it. We're hosting the Christmas this year and it's really confined to one weekend that we can do it now because of my schedule. So, you know, I'm trying to be mindful of that. We're, we're told in our, in our lives that people use words like balance and stuff. I don't know what the hell balance is, but I, I will say that there has to be a respectfulness around, uh, the other people in my life that, uh, that have expectations too, and they're reasonable expectations. They're not. They're not. You know, and uh, and thing with me is that I love AA, and I'm so entrenched and 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 trained as a young AA member that when someone asks, when AA asks for a commitment, you say yes. You find a way to make it possible, and that's been in my head all this time. So I often say yes when I probably should give it a little bit more thought and maybe even go and check. Sometimes I say yes, and my schedule's already booked. I go to my book and I open it up. I go, oh, <laughs> I don't think I can do this. You know, that happens a lot. Yeah. And I get people, as you know, they, they write me through the podcast yeah. and say, you know, Hey, can you get me in touch with Marty C? I always send him over. Are, are you able to go out on some of those sometimes? Well, that was beautiful. Like I was uh, alluding to is there was a, um, a committee that was formed. The Winnipeg conference is a lovely conference. I mean, they really, really, they took care of me. They did a great job. And, uh, that was through somebody on that committee who had heard this podcast. You know, I'm, 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 I'm well known, but you know, the idea of putting a talk before another committee member and saying, Hey, what about this guy? And so, uh, Holly S from Montreal, Quebec, who's a lovely woman and, and a great message. Um, and I got to share some amazing experiences in Winnipeg and they were so kind to get me into the, there's a penitentiary just outside of Winnipeg. We got in for a meeting on the Friday night and it was absolutely, we were full, we were in a room full of lifers Mm -hmm. and these guys are serious about their AA recovery. You know, some of them, one of them is 13 years in on a life sentence. He's, He's a young, young man. He knows he may not see the light of day until he's an old man, but he loves AA and we were commiserating and, 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 and communing in that room just because of this beautiful program, just because of this. And I got to tell you, I left there with a heart full of gratitude. Uh, it was, it was, it was, it was an ambivalent feeling, you know, walking away and knowing these men are going back to their cells and their, their houses and stuff like that, but powerful. Oh my God, it was powerful. So that, that's on the heels of this, this podcast. You know, and carrying a message in there on the Friday night, we did a workshop on In All Our Affairs. That was the name of the workshop. And that was just last weekend. And I'm just coming back, just coming back from that. And then uh, spoke on the Saturday night and the people were amazing. The the people in Winnipeg were just amazing. It was a great trip. Ah, I love that. I love that. I, 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 I want to tell you, I just left a meeting, uh, 
and there was a gentleman named Jim there that came over from Grapevine. He's written into the podcast before. We've had some conversations. He was an an inmate for for many years, and his um his goal in life is to is to you know be able to talk to more inmates and communicate with more inmates yeah. about the beauty of Alcoholics Anonymous and what is offered and and how they can spin it up and stuff like that within the walls and uh, uh, we were having some great conversations about that and I said and he listens to the podcast all the time and he listened to it when he was uh, incarcerated and um, and I said do you know who Marty C is he goes Marty C from Canada. You mean that Marty C? I said, yeah, well, I, I he's waiting for me right now. I, I got to go, uh, but it was great to see him oh, nice. uh, in person. Nice. It's a, it, okay. it's a small community, but Johnny, it's guys like you that make it a, an intimate community. This kind of venue, this forum, you begin to feel you begin to feel uh, connected and, and, and like you know each other. And it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling. You don't – and this thing about not feeling alone, you're no longer alone or that slogan, mm-hmm. boy, oh, boy. I mean, this this community is rich with connection, and I love it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and I know, hey, we've taken up a lot of time here on the front of this, you know, kind of talking about just, I don't know, stuff, right? We <laughs> we haven't, no, I'm not going to edit because people, I they, they love it. They eat it up. Now, every once in a while, I do get people who write in and say, hey, it's, uh you know, especially with my part on the front end, you know, when I'm like talking about nonsense, they're like, it's 10 minutes and I haven't heard the speaker yet. Just get to the guest. <laughs> I get it all the time yeah. but and i always say it's my podcast and i'll right. do what i want to do what <laughs> that's I want. Right. you start your own podcast right? Run this. that's right. right that's right start your own podcast yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay let's get down to even though all that's recovery all that is recovery right that you just talked oh, about it it's all as a result of the life of a sober yeah that's right and, and, you know, and, and as you know, you and I, we've had so many conversations, not just on the podcast, but off of the podcast. And you've helped me tremendously uh, in giving some guidance. And, and in fact, when we, when we stop here today, I'm going to talk to you about what I did on some of my, uh, event, uh, my amends list and such like that. Cause, uh, uh, it's, it's been, it's been great. You have given me a new experience with the steps and and i'm i'm so grateful for that It'll make me cry for Christmas. all right so let's uh let's turn the corner here so we are here today to address steps six and seven um all right marty so l- where do you want okay so let me do okay step six. Oh, i i should have this in front of me uh humbly asked to wait uh, yeah, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings, right? Is the step six, That's right? Step seven. That's step seven. Seven. I'm sorry. No, I'm, it's okay. People I'm, will. I'm doing. This is this is yeah. a uh, this is a swing. It's like a it's like a swing. It says when we were entirely ready to have God remove these defects right. of character, right? So right. when we're talking about step six and seven one of the things about the writing and and I want to be clear about this and I don't want to be controversial in any way and, and sometimes sometimes I just can't help it but I hear a lot of thoughts and ideas about about uh, that this is not expansive enough that Bill Wilson just wanted to get the number 12 in there so he just put these things here uh that they, people have come up with all kinds of theories and all that kind of stuff about about why it's so short in our basic text and I want to say I want to say this because the power of steps six and seven are by absolutely no means unequivocal to the rest of the steps. There is no step that is more important than these two steps. And I'll tell you why. Because it's all about readiness. It's all about willingness. These these two steps combined is the power of a turn. Like So you, you, you stood at the turning port. You asked care and protection with complete abandon. Here are the steps we took. And once you do inventory and you sit down with another person and you talk about it, this is the turning point. I'm either going to go this way 
or I'm not. And this is why it's so critical. In the sixth step, in the 12 and 12, it says, now that we've realized that this obsession for alcohol has been lifted from us by, you know, really no work of our own, this is what it says in the 12 and 12, why can't that same thing be applied to our defects of character and shortcomings? So we're reminded that in this place, we need a surrender. We need a power. This isn't, and, and, and this is where it gets controversial, is that the beautiful book came out a couple few years ago, and I don't read, I don't criticize any literature I haven't read. And I'm not going to criticize this negatively. I'm going to say as a critique, that is a wonderful tool. And people have started up springing up uh, drop the rock groups and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of people think it comes from a talk from Sandy Beach where it was only 35 seconds in the end of uh, story. Sandy was famous drop the rock talk. It was only 35 seconds at the end when he said we were all yelling to the guy, drop the rock. I can't. It's my rock. Drop the rock. And it was funny. It was hilarious. It became a famous talk. So the guy comes out a few years ago with a book called Drop the Rock. And it is about defects of character and shortcomings. In that book, you get some instructional about what you can do to sort of make that happen. I highly recommend that for somebody who's sober for a while. I do not recommend that for somebody who's in respite care. And what I mean by that is somebody's dying of alcoholism, you get them clear, and you know how I feel about this. You get them clear after a few days, and then you start introducing this to powerlessness in the first step, needing power in the second step, accessing that power in the third step. And our job is to take a third step with somebody, involve them in the idea about selfishness, self-centeredness, that's what's killing them, and then get into this prayer. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and do with me as well. So as a third step prayer is put in place and the echoing of or the the sort of demonstration of that third step prayer bargain I make is the fourth and fifth step. I get writing and I'm going to tell somebody, this is what I'm agreeing to. I'm going to stay close to him and perform his work well. This is what I'm agreeing to is I'm going to do the work in AA. Do my inventory and share it with somebody. And so that's up to step five. And what happens with Wilson is in, in the last column of the, of the, inventory, it says my mistakes and faults. The last column is listed as my mistakes and faults. And in there, selfish, self-centered, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened. Those are the same themes over and over and over again. There's a lot of things in there, but you tag them. You've got to, you're looking for selfishness, dishonesty, self-seeking, frightening, frightened behaviors. Then in the fifth step, he calls it the nature of my wrongs. He calls these things the nature of my wrongs. I'm selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened. These are the nature of my wrongs. And then in the sixth step, he calls them defects of character. And then in the seventh step, he calls them shortcomings. They're all the same thing. Wilson was referring to all of that being the same thing. And what is the same thing? Selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. These are the same things over and over and over again that cause us our alcoholism. It's not, these aren't the things, and these are the things that crop up when I stop drinking. So when I have this clear idea about what it is that I'm going to in it, so so after the fifth step, I'm told to take an hour. I look as if my work is solid. I look back and I say, have I taken these five steps? Is that my experience? Do I believe that there's a power that can help me? Did I, did I do the third step and make this agree? Have I been thorough on my fourth step? Did I leave anything out? Did I keep anything back in my fifth step? If we can answer to our satisfaction, then we're ready to take step six. And here I'm going to ask God to remove from me everything that I think is objectionable. Not morally what I think God thinks is objectionable or what my wife or my husband told me was objectionable, or what my boss told me was objectionable, or what I see on television tells me is objectionable, I'm going to go to this power and say, remove from me all the things that I have found to be objectionable, like my selfishness, my resentment, my fear, dishonesty. Remove this stuff from me. And am I willing to have that stuff removed? You know, your selfishness comes up in lustfulness. Do you want your lust removed? Well, like Sandy used to make a joke. Well, yeah, okay, do I want all of my lust removed? <laughs> or do I want to hang on to a little bit of that? You know, it's like, do, you know, and the idea is, is these defects of character and shortcomings have caused all of my problems. So do I want, so I go to God and I say, you know, I'm, I'm ready, God. I need to have you remove these things. The sixth step is, six, I'm sorry, the sixth step is about willingness and, and it's about readiness. R-E-A-D-I-N-E-S-S. It's about readiness. It's about, okay, yeah, let's do this. I remember Earl Hightower used to say it's where we set the dial. 
you know, in between step six and 12 is where we set the dial. How sober do I want to be? Are you ready to have these defects of character removed? You don't even have to know what they are. The question is, are you ready? And if the answer is yes, it says we go to step seven and it says, I'm going to look like this. And and it says, I say to my creator, God, I offer myself. I, I don't know, God, you should have all of me, good and bad. Take it all. And Wilson said in his own experience, root and branch. When Abby was beside his bed, it was, take this root and branch. Take it all. And the, every single defect of character when it stands in the way of my usefulness to you and to my fellows. Not the stuff that causes me alarm or not the stuff that other people, again, have diagnosed as being problematic. Take what you believe is of no use to you or to, my, to, your, to your other kids and please take that from me. And grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. There's no amen at the end of the third step prayer. The third step prayer and the fourth step inventory and the fifth step confession and the sixth step readiness is all part of the prayer. When I say, God, I offer myself to thee and build with me and do with me as I will, remove from me. You know, that's what you're asking. Take these things from me. The bondage of self is selfishness, self-centered, dishonesty, and fear. That's the bondage of self. You remove that. Now, at the end of step seven, we're saying another, my creator, I now ask that you have all of me, good and bad. And and then you say, amen. The amen is that prayer in its entirety, the third step prayer, the seventh step prayer, and everything in between. It's just how I see it. When I see those two small paragraphs in the big book, and I hear anybody dismantle that by somehow saying that, it's not enough. I, I'm deeply offended because I would I would ask them, are there any defects of character and shortcomings in your life today? Because it's always sober people that say that. New guys don't say that. New guys don't say, oh, this, this doesn't seem quite long enough. <laughs> it's always people have been around here for a little while. And they say, do you still have defects of character and shortcomings that pop up every once in a while? Yeah. You can hold them up in those two steps and figure out exactly what's needed to be done. You are either not ready to give that defect a character a shortcoming up, or you haven't implored God as you've been asked to in the seventh step and humbly laid yourself before him and allowed him to take it. Some of us like to hold on to these. Like, I'm 250 pounds of, 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 of uh, teenage angst, and I come into Alcoholics Anonymous, and for a long time, that got me places. That, that, that anger and that rage and that bullying got me places. And it wasn't until I became sensitized to other human beings that selfishness and self-centeredness in and of itself had started to be removed because I wanted it to be removed. I started to see this intimidation piece sitting there. And it had got me a lot. I was only 20 years sober when I thought, oh, my God. Oh, my God, I still intimidate people on purpose. And what am I doing? I'm self-seeking. I'm establishing a relationship as soon as I walk in a room. I'm up here. You're down there. As soon as I walk in a room. Had no idea it was happening until the selfishness and self-centeredness globally had started to be removed and I could see specific things. And then I'm going to say I'm going to say another thing that I, when I'm presenting on six. And seven. I always say this because I think it's important. It's important to these naysayers and any of the listeners right now saying, oh, no, it's, a, it's just what? Now, if you think about your most glaring defects and then, and then the next level of defects, if you think of those things and you're sober for a little while and those things are, st- are still there, if you could remove them, if you could remove them and you didn't, then that just makes you a dick. And you should go to Dick's Anonymous. Now, I say that all the time. And people laugh. and that, But I'm dead serious. Because people will say to me, they had to learn to be more honest. Or they had to, to stop doing such and such. And they had to stop doing... Now, if, if you could have done that, like drinking, this is why the relation is made in the 12 and 12. If you could have done that, and you didn't, what does that say about you? If you're still sober and you're hurting people, shutting people off, dishonest, or if you're still doing that, it's like you haven't gone to God to have it removed. You know, it just you just haven't. And and if you think you can do it yourself, like Drop the Rock encourages that there's work that you can do, you know, you say to somebody, hey, buddy, what are you doing this weekend? I don't know, man. I think I'm, I'm going to work on my defects. 
Pardon? I'm going to work on my defects and my shortcuts. That's how you're going to spend this upcoming weekend. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. I take guys through the steps in my basement here, and a guy showed up one time, and he had this massive stack of paper. And I looked over at him, and we're doing step six, seven. I looked over, and I said, what the hell is that? He said, it's a list of defects of character and shortcomings. I said, where'd you get that? So my sponsor told me to look online. I looked online, and I said, well, how many is there? It's like 820 of them. And I said, you got a list that you wrote down of 820. Yeah, and my sponsor said I had to you to get a dictionary and define them all. Really? <laughs> if you could show me that anywhere in our literature, I will gladly bring that as a part of my group. But I don't know what the hell that is. But that is not what our instructions are. And you know that I come at this thing from an instructional standpoint, right? It's like, guys, when I got a new guy and I send him home and you got an hour, you know, our next conversation in an hour and a half is, you know, what do you think? What do you think about all that stuff? When, when, and you know, you know, from, from inventory is that I give the feedback to somebody. I write it down. It's like, mm-hmm. I just write down the word mm-hmm. selfish, self-centered, self-seeking or frightened. Every time they say it, I write that word down. And at the end of the inventory in step five, the reading of the inventory, I say, okay, you ready? You are selfish, self-centered, selfish, selfish, dishonest, selfish, dishonest, selfish, 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 self-centered, dishonest, frightened, dishonest, selfish, dishonest, dishonest, self-seeking, frightened, selfish. And I give it every time they said it to me through inventory. Those are the defects of character and shortcomings. Those are the nature of your wrongs. Those are your mistakes and faults. It's That's what we're after. And it's not a feel-good exercise when I feed it back to somebody. Usually, they're going like, "Okay, okay, enough, man." And I go, "I'm just telling you what you wrote. Like, I'm just, I'm just repeating what you." And so I know, but it didn't feel like that when I was writing it. I said, "This is what you need removed." And if you could do it yourself, I wouldn't ask you to say this seven-step prayer with me. But do you want this stuff gone? Do you want it gone? And it's like. There's no judgment attached to it. It's not not going to separate it and not going to say, well, I, I'd like a little bit of greed gone, but I'd like to keep my lust. There's none of that. It's like these defects or shortcomings are getting in the way of your life. Do you want them gone? Yeah. Do you really want them gone? Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah, I am. I'm ready. Okay, then let's say this prayer. And we do a step seven prayer. And it says at the end of we then completed step seven. Not to be deluded that you're anywhere else in your recovery program. Not to be confused that you're anywhere else in your 12-step program other than we then completed step seven. You're not anywhere else. That's where you are. And it says, grant me strength as I go out here to do your bidding. We've then completed step seven, which means you make an amends list. (laughs) You're going to make another list. That's it. That's his bidding. Move on. You're going to start repairing this stuff. You're going to make a list. Now, the thing about it is working on the defects is a it's a it's an ethereal concept given the fact that we have a 12 step program because here's what happens John is that if I start not make it if I make a list and the, and the spirit of brotherly love starts coming up and all of those resentments and all of that stuff start it begins to fall away from me in that eighth step grudge list but when I get up off my ass and start knocking on doors my defects of character and shortcomings start falling away it wouldn't be in our promises if it wasn't true. It tells us right after the fifth step, I'm, I'm feeling the nearness of my creator now, and what I used to be isn't the way I am now. The guy who wrote the four-step inventory is not the guy that's going out and making amends. My defects of character and shortcomings are falling away. They disappear. They, they, they fall away. Now, does that mean all of them disappear and fall away? Or or the intensity of, they, of what they are? Fall we grow in effectiveness and usefulness. We grow this way. And more and more over time in the practice of steps 10 and 11, and especially 12, working with new guys will cure you of your defects. If you don't work with new guys, you're going to have them all for a long, long time. But when you work with new guys, you can't point shit out to a new guy that you wouldn't be willing to look at yourself. You can't do it. It's an it's a hypocrisy. It sucks. It doesn't sit well. If you pray at all, if you believe in this power, you can't do that. You can't wrestle those concepts. You can't make them so it's all connected. Six through 12 is very powerfully connected. I, I like Earl's take on it. I really do. He does a talk called Setting the Dial. And I love that. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a, to me, it's a fact in recovery. Now, I went on and on and on with no interruption, John. I, I'm, I, 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 I get, I, again, I get so, I get so impassioned. I get, I get so excited about this because well, I get goosebumps thinking, I think I'm going to, 
do some more inventory. <laughs> so here's what I'm thinking is that I know that, you know, we got on this, we, we had, we were doing some chat before we actually hit record. Right. And you're so laid back and you're just so, you know, you're very chilled. And we didn't even know what we were going to talk about. I had to go look up what we, where we left off. Right. And I figured out, oh, we did, we did, oh, it was in, it was in June of, uh, of this year. Uh, and, and we did step five. And the reason I'm bringing all that up is because we didn't even know what we were going to do. And it's incredible to me that you could get that juiced up that quickly and you have that much content like just at the tip of your tongue without even thinking about it uh i think that's fantastic uh you know uh so oh yeah so step six and seven right so i'm gonna go ahead and properly read this now like i did not on the beginning but step six is we're we're and were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. And that's where you talked about turning point yeah. and getting ready. And seven is humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. And that, you know, and you talked a lot about that, about, you know, this is not about us removing our own shortcomings. This is about giving it to God. Otherwise, you know, we could have done this years ago. Um, so when you think about though, and this always comes up in the seventh step, and I want to just kind of get your take on it, the word humility, humbly, uh, and what that means to you when you hear that word, humble, humility, uh, either of those. I, I honestly believe that that we do very little, John, until we're beaten into a state of reasonableness. Alcoholics Anonymous is a um, a a wonderful tangible 12 step process that's at our it's at our dis- disposal at any point but seldom do we run to it when things are going very well when we get hurting and and we we understand that i'm bombarding my life with my willfulness and i need to i need to stop this and sometimes i can't i believe the humility that belies step 7 is when we humbly throw ourselves at the mercy of this power Whatever power it is that we believe in, I've been beaten into a state of reasonableness. I cannot do this alone. I need you, God. And that humility that's required in step seven is not often difficult for a new guy when he's new. But if you allow some new guy to come in here and then let him tell him, don't do a four-step for a year and and all of this AA lip flap and party line crap you hear sometimes, and you hear that stuff, this new guy gets to step six and seven and has no idea what the necessity or the importance is. There's no, no, there's no, and, and I can see how that's exactly the way it would be. But when Joe new guy is six, seven, eight days sober, and you start talking to him about this power and a third step, a third step thing, and he gets into inventory and you give him a week and a half. So now he's three weeks sober, four weeks sober. I don't rush people through the steps. I just follow the directions in the literature. When he starts to see in the last column and the, 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 this defects of character start showing up there in plain sight. He's written it down. Nobody's pointed it out. He's written it down. He shares with somebody in the fifth step, sponsor, friend, close relation, priest, minister. He shares it with them in the fifth step. The nature of his wrongs are exposed. That He is selfish, self-centered, dishonest, and frightened. And it's his writing by his language and his communicating. Nobody's pointing it out to him. He's discovering this. We uncover, discover, discard, as Chuck Chamberlain used to say. This is what we do. We uncover cover discover and discard so first we take the blanket off we see what's there oh my god look what's there and then we ask to be rid of it now in that seventh step they're following the directions if they're new they don't know or think that there's a pause or a hesitation anywhere there they're asked in the sixth step it's like you ready to have this stuff gone he says i want a gun i need a gun it, it can't be there i can't live like that a life based on self i can't live like that and the seventh step is the prayer the seventh step is the prayer, my creator. And I'll, and, and, and I'll go over the prayer with the guys I work with. And it's, I want them to hear the piece about the good and the bad. I said, I'll say, why, why do you think it's talking about the good and the bad? Why well, shouldn't it just be the bad? Well, again, you're into a place of morality there. You're into a place of judgment. What you think God thinks is bad. It's good and bad because I, I don't know which is which. My morality and my judgment meter around that stuff has been blown up a long time ago. 
So I want it all gone. You take everything from me my, that's in my character, and I will rebuild. I will rebuild as it promises in the third step. You, you, you give it back to me and, and in your, whatever it is that you want. And then as I start engaging in this process of eight and nine to do your bidding. And that's the humility that's required is a surrender and a teachability. It's a teachability is really what it is. It's like there's no resistance. There's no resistance to the process. I want to read the seven-step prayer, mm-hmm. uh, and just so people know where it is also, it's on page 76, because uh, we have people that listen to this all the time that aren't, you know, they're they're kind of new to the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Sure. And by the way, that's page 76 in uh, the uh, big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. And I want to read this, I want to get your response to this, and then also have you just kind of wrap up what your thoughts are regarding uh, six and seven. Okay. The uh, prayer says, uh, it says, when we're, when ready, we now say something like this, quote, my creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, like Marty said, good and bad. I pray that you will now remove from me every single defect of character, which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. We have now completed step seven. By the way, I love that word bidding. I mean, you don't hear that too no. much uh, nowadays. Uh, it's uh, you know, so one of these uh, old timey words they say. But why don't you give me your thought both on that prayer? I, I know you talked about it a little bit already. If there's anything else you want to say. And then kind of give me a, a, a summation of what you would like people to take away regarding step six and seven. Okay. Um yeah, the prayer in and of itself, I, I did touch on, I believe in the power of that prayer. I believe in the humility in that prayer is, is when you say my creator, you, you are, you are making yourself small and you're laying yourself before this. And, and, and if you read the language or you hear the language that John just said, it says when ready. And then it says, I'm willing. So the readiness and the willingness are directly connected there and you must be ready. You know, this is, this is not, this is not for the meek. That's why you get that hour and you look over those first five proposals. And if you can answer to your satisfaction that you've done that work in the first five, now you got two choices. You can either continue on with the rest of the program or do what a lot of people do and not even mind it. Well, just look at it so small in the big book. It's like, well, I'll just blast past that and start making amends. No, 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 no. This is the stuff. Imagine, imagine hitting a golf shot starting your count on on the hole on the on your third shot that's the same as this starting your like when you step up to the tee this is where you're stepping up to the tee and you're sort of you're you're going to make the connection with the ball this is the beginning of your swing and you're going to you're going to just like sort of come down 6 and 7 is when you start coming down on the ball I, and i talk about it in that analogy because in the fullness of the swing is 6 through 12 there's no time frame in between given to you in our literature, in our book. The only place time frames come up is in the man-made concepts, the alcoholic-made concepts that people have come up with in sharing at meetings, and it becomes AA lore that somehow this takes time. This is a spiritual endeavor at this point. At six and seven, it's a spiritual endeavor. I am going to go in this direction. Remember I said we stood at the turning point? I'm going left or right. And if I'm going this way, it's the beginning of a golf swing, and you can't stop in the middle of the swing. I'm ready. I say this prayer, and then I go out from there to do his bidding. And, you know, eight and nine becomes something that you're engaged in for a number of, probably a number of years. Like, you get through some stuff in the first few months for sure, but that's a piece that you're always talking about. But 10 and 11, 12 hold it all together. I believe when you're talking about six and seven, defects of character and shortcomings, you're in a position that you're able to look back now, sponsor people, pull them behind you, certainly help people and bring them along. Your job, you just need to stay ahead of them. <laughs> don't, don't let them pass you. But I think that after the fifth step promises, when it says we begin to feel the nearness of our creator, and it says we start to see now how this thing is living up inside of us, uh, and it says we can be of help now, I, I think that that's the place where we begin to look back and pull people. So I'm a few weeks sober, a couple months sober. I look back and I say, hey, man, 
I've only been here for a couple months, but I can teach you how to do some of this stuff and away you go. And you're constantly engaged in this process and growth. Now, I just don't think that if you close your mind off in any way to step six and seven, I think you're going to limit your, your ability to grow. It Just like the third step, steps six and seven become a hub. It's a place I constantly go back to, to reboot. You know, it's it's a constant, it's a place I constantly go back to. And questions I ask is, am I, am I really ready to have that removed? If it keeps showing its head, am I, why am I still hanging on to that? He always does his job. Capital H, he always does his job. Why is that still there? And, and and I've told you this before, John. When I get down on my knees at night and do my thing, almost always I laugh. Well, you see me laughing all the time. But I, I'll i have this day and I'll go back and I'll go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Is that still there? And I go, what's up with that? You know, and, and then I, I hear irreconcilably, irreconcilably, I hear, uh, you're hanging on to him, man. <laughs> it's like you're, you're hanging on to him. I'm doing my job. You got to do yours. And, uh, and I laugh. I laugh. Welcome to the club, my friend. Thanks so much, man. It was, <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I know you need to go out and play hockey. And I'm thinking, so I've been thinking of this, I was thinking right toward the end, is I'm, I'm imagining you, I know you've got the tailbone issue, and I know what a goalie must do in order to play that position and what sort of position they're in. So I, 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 I just hope you survive, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no problem. The boys will look after me. <laughs> They're all AA guys. All right, look. Yeah. Yep. All right, let me go to uh, page 164 and finish it up here for us. Uh, Thanks, please. Page 164 in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous says, Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to Him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us, uh, like me and Marty C., as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Once again, Marty, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your experience. Thank you so much, Bill. Thank you. Thank you again, my friend, Mr. Marty C. Marty C., folks, is money. Oh, I've got, and this reminds me, I got to reach out to him again to get him back on the schedule to kind of continue our series here, if you will, have him talk about steps eight and nine or whatever the heck else he wants to talk about. Doesn't matter what Marty is talking about, he is always bringing the heat. So thank you again, Marty. Now, on to a little bit of a listener feedback. And before I begin the listener feedback, I just thought about something I want to go ahead and announce again real quick that if you are unable to email or if you uh, just like to write letters, uh, you don't like email, you want to personal, you want to, you want to personalize this with your handwriting and you want to send a letter to sober speak. Well, our friend, Mr. Mike, is monitoring a post office box in Tempe, Arizona. And you can write into him. Uh, the address is Sober Speak, 1962 East Apache Boulevard, P.O. Box 7925, Tempe, Arizona, 85281. Uh, Mike would love to hear from you and I'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and write in. So anyway, in fact, uh, this first piece of listener feedback is going to reference Mike in the PO box that he monitors. So Drew writes in, and I want to go ahead and preface this with uh, a few weeks ago, Mr. Drew actually drove from uh, over in Fort Worth, Texas, which is, for those of you who don't know, is, very, is near, near-ish Dallas, at least it's within driving distance. He drove over from Fort Worth, Texas to where we are in Frisco, to the Frisco Fourth Dimension Group, uh, came to our humble little group, and uh, I was able to meet him and put a name to a face and all that sort of stuff. But for whatever reason, his, his email that he had written 
slipped through the cracks. I don't know exactly how he, he re-forwarded it to me, but I saw it and uh, I was seeing it for the first time. And, uh, and then he actually came out to our Sober Speak Live event with Cliff G and Lori G. Uh, we had one out there called The Family Afterwards. Uh, and so anyway, he writes in, uh, and this is just kind of a, a couple months uh, in getting to me and light, if you will. So some of this is going to reference the uh, uh, event that we have coming up. But anyway, Drew says, John, you're going to have a shindig. <laughs> he says, I was so excited to hear you announce Sober Speak Live event for January. It almost made me cheer out loud. <laughs> That's cool. He says, you see, I've been listening to your podcast for about a year, for about a year, as well as running through the older episodes. And when I heard you announce previous events, I got a bit grumbly because one, I could not travel back in time to go to the past events, but two, and maybe because more of my bad mood uh, was even in the event even if the event was in the present, I could not attend because I was a guest at the Texas Department of Corrections. He says, but that has changed now. I got home in time for Christmas and me and my wife are going to make every effort to be at the next event. And he did come. Uh, he says, I'm from the northwest edge of the Metroplex. He's talking about the DFW, Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. He says, but I just might make a trek out to Frisco for the normal meeting as well. And he did. Oh, it's so good to see him. He says, in the past year, since they gave out tablets in prison, I have been using your show as a daily meeting between meetings and has helped me deepen my understanding of AA and establish a firm basis for my program. The wide variety and deep experience of your guests has been such a blessing. In addition, we are given access to some ebooks on the tablet. They are works that are in the public domain, such as uh, uh, AA literature and works where it has been 75 years since the author's death. death. I will read, pass it on, right, from the, uh, th that's one uh, title, from the heart, uh, uh, Dr. Bob and the good old timers, and quite a few more. One of those older works was Varieties of Religious Experiences by Williams Jane, William James. And I read that, though it's not an easy read. <laughs> That's right. He says, all of this and having a sponsor has equipped me to be back in the quote, free, unquote, world, engaged in AA. I've already been to a couple of meetings, even one in the Euless area that, stills allow, that, still, that allows indoor smoking still. <laughs> he said that was weird. <laughs> uh, but even before I got home from the trials of the real, but even before I got home, the trials of the real world hit. Four days prior to my release date, when they were moving me around to different units to get back to the Dallas area, I found out that my father had passed away. It was especially tough because I had not talked to him for about a year and a half because we decided it was too technically difficult for him to set up the account to receive calls from the Texas Department of Corrections. It was painful thinking that he had left this world with my identity tied to being incarcerated, but he did know that I had received parole and I was getting out. In some ways, it reminded me of how I used to approach my active addiction. I always assumed I would have more time to set things right until I inevitably found the time that I needed exhausted. I'm getting a little emotional there. He says, when I found out about his passing, I wrote my sponsor and I thought about all the trials so many of your guests had trudged through. Though my development in the program, I have come to think 
though oh, through my development in the program, I have come to think of the steps and principles of AA not being a solution of drinking, but being a solution for any of life's many problems, so that we do not turn to the deadly and devastating solution of alcohol. You're a good writer, Drew. He says, thank you so much for the work you do with the pod and live events. It has been, Im- it has been immeasurably helpful to me during a dark time and has been a source of strength for me to move forward. Respectfully, Drew G. You're very welcome, Drew. And uh, thank you for being vulnerable and writing that. Um, and it was so good to meet you. Now, <laughs> move on to his uh he wrote a a ps here okay a postscript if you will he said i had to add this at the end because in the grand scheme of things it's really a trifling matter but i would be remiss if i did not bring up the spanglish <laughs> He says, though I know it's all been a good fun and your primary purpose, which you were amazing at, is to share you and your guests' experiences, strength, and hope not to speak Spanish. (laughs) But one of the ways I improved myself while in the slammer was to work on my Spanish. Though I'm not a native speaker, my father was... And it was another stab that I lost the chance to speak with him, to try to speak with him uh, uh, after my work. I used the Spanish AA literature among other resources, and it really ma- and I really made some process. And uh, pr- uh, I think he meant progress, and I really made some progress. And finally, this is my second letter to you on the topic. A few months ago, I wrote Mike in Arizona, which I was just talking about, uh, and you read my note on the pod regarding the Heco in Tejas debacle. <laughs> yeah, or Echo, I'm sorry, Echo. <laughs> but anyway, I, I don't, I'm going to mess this up. <laughs> <laughs> if I start thinking too much about it. Anyway, he says, so feel free to discard this, or you may find it interesting. You have often not used the best Spanish word for, quote, time. <laughs> time, unquote. When you say things like, un semana, uh, un tempo, or un mas tiempo. <laughs> We like, yeah, like one more, we like uno mas tiempo. Yeah, like one more week, right? He says, tiempo does mean time, but it also means weather. But it means more of the abstract. (laughs) It means more the abstract concept of time. Like I have... Like I have enough time. When you were talking about an occurrence, for instance, a specific time, you would use the word bez. Maybe that's pronounced bez. I don't know. Like once in Spanish is una, una, bez. So... (laughs) So one week at a time in Spanish is... I'm spitting all over my mic here. (laughs) This is embarrassing. So one week at a time in Spanish is uno semana a la vez. And one more time is uno vez más. (laughs) He says, this is your unsolicited AA Spanish (laughs) minute. Thank you again for everything. Okay, so I just read a lot. I, I, I basically got the ideas. I'm reading it, but now I've got to remember this moving forward, which means I would have to study it and actually put it to use. I, I don't know. I may, I may not, but I appreciate you, Drew. Thank you so much for writing. And all right.
Bob writes in and he says, good morning, John. Well, morning, Bob. He said, I just listened to episode number 327 with Gary Kay. I loved it and want to commend you for the work you do. He says, Ooh, this, am I going to release this in time? This, this may, I think this is going to be past his day. He says, on January 29th, 2024, I will take my cake for 51 years. And, and I continue to search out opportunities to learn. Well, good for you, Bob. What does that say? Don't let bananas go green or something like that, or or don't or don't eat green banana. I can't remember. There's something about keeping it right, but I probably messed that up completely. But Bob, that is fantastic, my friend. 51 years, and you are still learning and finding new ways to learn and you're a lifelong learner. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Billy writes in and Billy says, hi, John, I've been six months sober. I went back to jail for my drinking, but now I am at a halfway house. I just want to thank you for your podcast and for putting sober speak in my phone. It helps me in my recovery. And as you know, this is one week at a, excuse me, one day, not one week. I think it, just because I was reading that, <laughs> that Spanish lesson there. <laughs> A second ago. Uh, anyway, he says, as you know, John, this is one week at a time. So Billy, God bless you, my friend. And I am glad that you are on the right track. And I'm glad you're six months sober. That is absolutely fantastic, my friend. All right, everybody. Okay, so I always take this uno semana a la vez but I hope to be back next week. I hope I got that right. Did I get that right? I, I'm hoping so. <laughs> God only knows. <laughs> uh, may God bless you and keep you until then. Keep coming back. It does work if you work it. Uh, there, there's a lot of proof out there, uh, a lot of scientific proof. And by scientific proof, that means <laughs> that I go to meetings and I talk to a lot of people and I see a lot of things happening. So that to me is scientific proof. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to my nonsense. Uh, oh, and we have a guy in our group. His name is Lee. <laughs> and he <laughs> Whenever he ends up sharing right at the end, he always goes, that's enough of my nonsense. <laughs> and I was talking to my friend one day and I said, you know, Lee ought to put that on his uh, tombstone, <laughs> right? I mean, hey, you know, it's uh, he lived from this year to this year and that's enough of my nonsense. It's it's over now, right? But anyway, God bless you all. Thank you for uh, uh, hearing me out. Uh, love you guys. <laughs> Bye-bye. Oh, if you want to write in, I'm at john, J-O-H-N, at soberspeak.com. Bye-bye.